Welcome to the official broadcast of Life Fellowship Ministries in Kima, Texas. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. Be sure to visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. Lord, I pray this morning that you would open our spiritual eyes to see you with greater clarity. That if we have misconceptions or misunderstandings of who you are, that you would remove those blinders, that we would see you for the loving, gracious, giving Father that you are. Some of us don't have good examples of that. But let us have your word and your presence and your relationship as a standard, as a reference point for our lives, not what we've seen or even what we've experienced from our earthly dads. But let us look to you. I pray that you would open our spiritual ears to hear your small, still voice speaking to our hearts. Sometimes your, your small, still voice is not so small and still to me. It's more like a sledgehammer when, I, when you need to get my attention. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, that you would open our hearts to receive everything that you have for us today, that we would walk away changed because we've had this encounter with you as you've downloaded into us. And you brought health and healing and wholeness and joy and strength and provision and encouragement, all the things that we need. Lord, when you look down on this room, you see all kinds of needs represented here. And you are more than able to meet every need. Because on the cross, you said, it is finished. It's done. I paid it all. So we thank you. Thank you for your great love for us. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. Thank you, praise team. Great job. Thank you so much. And uh, you know that uh, we're making some adjustments with using tracks and stuff like that. So I appreciate your patience. And Alberto's doing a great job back there. And uh, yeah, he and Isaac and I were here till one o'clock on Thursday trying to get some stuff working. So I, I appreciate their heart and their attitude. Uh, and I, I want to thank you for joining us this morning. Did you come expecting to receive? All right, well, let's, uh, let's recite our mission statement. It's to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And that's the target and the goal, that we come into this personal relationship with him. And then our vision or our goal is to make disciples who will impact the world with the love of Christ. And those disciples would be us in this room. Are you doing that? Are you reaching out to your family and friends and coworkers? And, and are you going out and going out to live it, and, and leading them by example. Well, let's jump into this morning's sermon. I'm real excited about it. We're in the series, Becoming Mature Believers. Are you being challenged through this series? Are you growing in this series? Are you becoming more mature believers? All right, all right. I'm expecting that to be so. Last week, we began in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, and through this series, I was so excited to get to chapter 12, and, uh, and so we're in the, the part that I'm really excited about, chapter 12, 13, and 14, and we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit, the spiritual gifts, and Paul is teaching these new believers about the gifts from the Holy Spirit that are available and given to who? To believers, and we're going to talk a little bit more about it, but these gifts are given to the church. We are the church, right? 
So he's identified a number of gifts. I want to go back and just capture a couple of a few scriptures from last week. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 says, There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. So there are different kinds of gifts, but the Spirit of God is the same source of them all. He gives them to us. Verse 7 says the spiritual gift is, is given to each of us so we can what? Help each other. So these are the gifts listed so far. The ability to give wise advice, messages of special knowledge, great faith, hearing, uh, healing, perform miracles, prophecy, discernment if a message is from the Holy Spirit or from another spirit, speaking in unknown languages, and interpreting unknown languages. And then uh, verse 11, 12, 11 says, It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. So the Holy Spirit has determined and decided the gifts that are right for you and that he desires you to have and operate in. Um, then Paul begins to compare the body of Christ with uh, our physical body because he wants us to, to get this, that God gives the gifts to us and he gives to each part of the body that we would all be a different part of the body, different giftings, just like we're not all a finger or a toe or an ear or something like that. In verse 12, he says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up the whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Verse 27 says, all of you together are Christ's body, and each, uh, and each of you is a part of it. So that's where we stopped last week. So I want to just, just kind of go back and lay the groundwork of what we're launching off from. Your giftings and uh, the things that God has given you are important, not only for you, but to help the body of Christ. Because what did we read? The gifts are given so that we can help one another, help the body of Christ. And the sad thing is, that there are people that don't believe that God gives gifts today. Uh, the, you know, you just hear all kinds of crazy things that Christians don't believe. I think one of our biggest problems is we don't believe the Word of God. And so if we believe the Word of God, then we're going to take that in and we're going to be able to go out and live this thing out. But if you begin to doubt, well, does God really give gifts? Where does it stop? Does God really uh, provide salvation for us? Does God really... Where do you end? You begin to go down a slippery slope that you're probably not going to recover from. And so we, it's important that we know the word, that we understand the word, but it's really driven by this relationship with him. Do we trust him? Do we have this relationship? Are we, are we coming to church on Sunday and Wednesday and getting trained and equipped so we've got the word of God here? And then we can what? Go out and share that word and we can teach uh, Jesus said to go and what? Make disciples of all the nations. Well, we have to become a disciple of Christ. We have to know the word of God before we can go and train and equip others, right? So I'm so glad you're here today because this is, uh, in this series, this is one of the critical pieces that I think is missing in the body of Christ because people don't believe the word of God. And they don't believe that he gives spiritual gifts that are important for us to help one another out. They not only help us, but they help uh, the, the rest of the body. So Paul has just taught them about the spiritual gifts, and then he's correlated that to our physical body. 
works together like the body of Christ. And uh, I, I think it's appropriate that we look at our core scripture, which is found in Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. And uh, if, if you remember, uh, 1 Corinthians, Paul wrote probably in about 55 AD. And uh, I think uh, uh, Ephesians was written around the same time, maybe 60 AD. And what's he talking about here? He's talking about the gifts of the Spirit. And as we talked about in the past, why would Paul be teaching on something that was no longer relevant? So if somebody says, well, God is not distributing the gifts anymore, then why would he be writing these things to the church? It wouldn't make any sense. Okay, let's look at Ephesians 4.11. Our, our core scripture is 11 through 13, but I'm going to actually read through 16 because not only does it tell us what the gifts are, but it tells us the results of those gifts. So let's look at verse 11. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to, to who? Did he give it to the, to the world? Did he give it to unsaved? He gave it to the church. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility, a prophet, uh, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, their responsibility is to do what? To equip God's people to do his work and what? Build up the church, the body of Christ. So that's one of the reasons that he gives these offices to the church so that we can be built up. Um, verse 13, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, that would be Jesus, that we will what? Be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So that's the purpose of the gifts, is that we grow and mature. And as we get trained and equipped and released, then we can go and train and equip and release other disciples. That's the heart, that we're building the kingdom of God. That we, like we talked about a few weeks ago, we are ambassadors of Christ. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And so God is establishing, he has established his kingdom here, and we are his representatives. Uh, these are the gifts given to the church. Okay, let's, let's, let me re, read 13 again, and then we're going to read on. This will continue, so it's continuing, right? Because we haven't come, in, has the body of Christ come into complete unity? Yeah. And knowledge of God's Son, the full knowledge of God's Son? When we don't even believe some of the basic foundational truths found in the Bible that, that Jesus taught? So this is going to continue until we get it. Have you ever been in school and had to take another test? Because you didn't do so well or have to take another class? I have. Maybe I'm the only one here. It looks like I'm the only one here that's ever failed in a class or a test. But this is what God is trying to impart into us. We, we, we sang about it this, this morning and tremble. You make the darkness tremble. Do we understand the power and the authority living in us? That the, when we walk into the room, the demons should flee. The darkness should tremble. Because when we walk into a room, the atmosphere is changing. I love that song. The atmosphere is changing here because of the, of, of the Holy Spirit and the Lord in us. And us walking in this power, dominion, and authority. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, Jesus, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Now, here are the results of that in verse 14 through 16, some of the results. 
Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies that's uh, so clever they sound like the truth. So this series is Becoming Mature Believers. So we're growing in this, and we're continuing to learn. We're continuing to grow. So we're speaking the truth in love to be more like Christ. Let's look at verse 15. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. So that's the goal, that we grow, that we look more like Christ. I'm not talking about wearing sandals and having a beard and a robe. I'm talking about going out and living this life out so people see the love of God flowing through us. Uh, Verse 16 says, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul's writing about the gifts, and he's talking about the spiritual gifts in the body of Christ, and he's comparing that to our physical body, and he's talking about that in Ephesians too, another letter he's written to the church of Ephesus. So these gifts are given to the body to help us, to train us, to equip us, to lead us, so that our lives are impacting others in a godly manner. Okay, so let's go back to 1 Corinthians 12, 27. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. So when you look around the room, go ahead, look around the room. You see the different parts of the body. And so we all have different functions. We all have different giftings. We all have different personalities. Okay? (laughs) All right, next Paul teaches them about the parts God has given to the church. These are the gifts God has given to the church. So again, if the parts of the church, if these parts of the church were no longer necessary or available or needed, why would Paul have been teaching on these things? So the gifts and parts given to the church are relevant for today. Verse, uh, let's go jump into verse 28 here. Here are some of the parts God has appointed again, what, to the church. The apostles, first are apostles. Apostles are one sent on a mission, a man sent out by Jesus Christ himself to preach the gospel. Uh, It can also mean those entrusted to plant churches and give revelation of God's will to others. Sometimes uh, a pastor of pastors is is considered an apostle. So uh, you probably know these things, but I just wanted to give you um, a couple of definitions here. And some people think that apostles were only limited to the original 12 that Jesus appointed. But Paul had an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. And we know about that. He, he, we read about that in, in uh, Acts, and, and we, we've talked about that. But uh, he was not one of the 12. But in several of the letters um, to the early church, Paul begins by affirming that he was an apostle. So wait a minute, he was not one of the original 12, right? Because he wasn't in the upper room when they had the the Last Supper and all those kinds of things. But yet he refers to himself, and I just quickly looked, and I found four references where he's referring to himself as an apostle. So if he's an apostle, then that must mean that there are still apostles after the original 12. And again, why would Paul be writing these things if they weren't applicable? So if you want to look, you can go into 2 Corinthians 1.1, 1, 1, 
Galatians 1.1, Colossians 1.1. And here's an example found in Ephesians 1.1. Because many times when he's writing these letters to these different churches, he's establishing who he is and his authority and his position. So he says in Ephesians 1.1, This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be what? An apostle of Christ Jesus. So what I'm trying to establish is that there are other apostles that besides the original 12, and Paul was one of those. So Paul's writing to the church, and apostles are part of the church. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 12, 28. Here are some of the parts God has appointed to the church. First are apostles, second are prophets. So what are prophets? Prophets are, are uh, men and women that are gifted by God and speaking forth things of the future revealed to them by the Lord. So that's generally what we think of when we think of a prophet, someone that's speaking forth or foretelling things. But it can also be a person gifted in explaining the truth of God and his word, a spokesperson for God. And so as we're proclaiming the things of God, as we're sharing the word of God, it can be revelation to someone. Someone can learn from that. So Here's the thing. Let's not get hung up on, well, he's a prophet or that's a word of prophecy. Does it really matter? If God is speaking to our hearts, if God is transforming the way that we think, if God is coming in, uh, bringing us into deeper relationship, does it matter You know what we call it or, or the avenue or the mechanism that he uses? Let's not focus on those things. What are we to focus on this intimate, personal relationship with him? Because that's what it's all about. But how many times do people get hung up on things, you know, that, that are insignificant or secondary or tertiary that don't really matter? Let's major on the major. Let's focus on the things that are important. And it's this relationship with him. And so God can use people to speak into our lives. Let me say it this way. God does use people to speak into our lives. And God will use you if you're a willing, open vessel for him to pour through to speak into other people's lives. Prophecy, prophecy doesn't have to be, oh, thus saith the Lord, thy go forth. You know, it doesn't have to be old English and all that stuff. It's just sharing the heart of God. And so God will give us things to share. And so I think that, that uh, many times when I'm praying and preparing for the service, God is giving me things to share with you, to help us, to help us all. Because listen, I, I need some help. I don't know it all. And, and, and I, I just, I thank the Lord that he gives me insight and wisdom. Uh, my role is to lead and feed. And so I'm like, God, what do, you want, what do you want me to feed this weekend? What do you want me to say? Let my words be your words that will be as of the oracles of God that will come forth, that will pierce the hearts and minds of all of us. So it's God's word that comes alive. It's a living word, the word says of itself. Uh, okay, so first are apostles, second are prophets, third are teachers. A teacher, one gifted by God in teaching scripture. A Bible teacher, one competent in theology. So I would say that I'm a teaching pastor. I love to get into the word and, and uh, have God reveal things to me and, and give me instruction on what and how he wants me to deliver the message and, and what message he wants me to, get, to give because I can, we could all go through a scripture and we could have a lot of different perspectives and, and uh, ways to share that scripture, right? And so I'm like, God, you know, I, I could say this or that. What do you want me to say? Because it doesn't matter what, wh how I'm filtering things. It doesn't matter how I'm processing things. 
What matters is what do you want to say? And sometimes the, the Lord will give me things to say in a manner in which I would not naturally say them. Because he has a purpose and plan. And for all of us, if we just yield to him and say, God, just work through my life. Just say through me what you want to do. Just live through me how you want to. That's what's important. And so uh, we need teachers to help teach us and train us and equip us. And so that's why Wednesday night Bible study is so powerful, that we're being trained and equipped. And we're looking at it from different angles, and it's, it's good stuff. So my primary role as pastor is to lead and feed. Uh, I would say Pastor Christine is a gifted teacher. She's gifted at teaching the Bible. But you know what? She, it's a gifting of teaching that, that doesn't only uh, take place in teaching the Bible. She's teaching in everything that she does. So if she's meeting with a special ops group and talking about decor or decorating, she's teaching. Whatever she does, she's, because that's a gifting within her, that's part of who she is. And that's part of her expression of God flowing through her. And so she's a, she's a great example of someone that's gifted in teaching because she loves to study, dig in, and present the word of truth. And teaching is one of her strongest gifts. She taught K-4 for five years. And the first year she went in to talk, they said, oh, yeah, by the way, you've got to write the curriculum. She'd never taught in, in a school before. But you know what? It, well, it was a little stressful. But uh, the first year, she had to come up with all the lesson plans. She did all that on her own. I say on her own, with the help of the Lord. Please understand, she didn't do it on her own. It was the Lord leading her. But she didn't know how to do that. She'd never gone to school for that. She'd never been trained. But she has the gifting of a teacher. So she knows, she has that as a reference point on, okay, I'm a teacher. I have this information that I want to disseminate and give, so how can I do that? How can I best do that? So she has the gift, and several of you have the gift of teaching, and several of you are teaching in children's ministry. What a powerful, powerful ministry that is, training up our children. I mean, I, I don't know that there's a, a greater honor in serving God than teaching our children, our, our little lambs, so that they understand this relationship with God that they had this intimate, personal relationship with God. What if we would have known about this relationship when we were five years old, four years old, if we would have really begun to grow, and then by the time we're six and seven, God is speaking to us. God is pouring through us. God is giving us words of prophecy. Because it's the Spirit of God. It's not, it's not based on our age. Oh, well, you know, this is a six-year-old kid. God doesn't speak to him. Yes. Yes, he does. But how are they going to have that giftings? How are they going to use the giftings if they haven't been trained and taught? And so that's why children's ministry is so vital. And the teachers and, and Karen and Chantel and, and, and Christine that have put this curriculum together for our children is deliberately put together to train and equip our children so that they grow. Oh, that we would have had that, that I would have had that when I was growing up where I would have understood this personal, intimate relationship with Jesus on a greater level. And my parents did a great job, but, but you know, I could have learned more. And so we want to make sure that, that we're training in, in our children, our youth, our college and career, everyone that we're learning, because the things that are being taught through our lives have the power 
to change someone's destiny. A word from God can change someone's destiny. So that's why it's important that we allow the Lord to speak to our lives because this word that God has given me when I call Cliff or when I call somebody or when I text somebody could be life-saving for them. It could have a huge impact. A word from God can change someone's destiny. The word of God can transform lives if we allow his word to impact us because we can get a word and we can reject that. We can repel that. We can say, well, you know, I don't want anything to do with that. But are we open to the instruction, correction? Sometimes we'll get a word of correction. I don't know about you, but sometimes I can get a word of correction from the Holy Spirit. It's like, you don't do that. Or do that this way. Or, you know, say this. Or do this. So, you know, we just need to be open to what the Lord is doing. Let's, let's continue here in verse 28. So first are apostles, second are prophets, third are teachers, then those who do miracles. Uh, this is great insight for you here. Those are people gifted by God in doing miracles. <laughs> okay, so uh, Paul is talking about the different gifts. So I think about Moses. He did all kinds of miracles. God did all kinds of miracles through his life. And I know that there are many of us here where we've seen God do miraculous things. We know it's not by our power or our might, but it's by the power and the presence and the leading and the miracle-working power of Jesus working through us. We've, you've heard the story many times where our missionaries in Africa, where they, had, they were sharing the gospel at this meeting, and, and they were feeding people, and, and they had cookies and candy for the kids coming, and they realized that they didn't have enough cookie or candies for all the children coming. And so when they would come up, they would give a, a cookie and a candy. And when they would look down, there would be another one there. And they would continue to hand those out. Miracle. I mean, how else can you explain that? And, and if you've never walked in those kinds of things, if you've never experienced those kinds of things, you may not believe it. But once you've experienced these kinds of things, then you have a better grasp and understanding of the power in the Word of God. That He wants to do miracles through our lives. We, we read about it in Acts where, where it talks about unusual miracles. And we see miracle after miracle in the Bible. I don't know. I, some people, I guess, can try to explain it away. But, but why? Why not just believe the Word of God? How can you explain these things? We've, uh, we've seen people that have been healed. You know, it, it's supernatural. I've shared the story where uh, we, we, had our, we wanted to sell our house. We didn't even have a sign in the yard. And a realtor overheard a conversation with an, another person, not even talking to her, uh, and describing our house, wanting to buy our house. You, you know, I mean, how, how, can you, how can you explain those things away you know that there are miracles when somebody comes and says, hey, this person is looking for a house, and someone overhears that they're, ex they're describing a house that you thought might be for sale. And, when, and the, the interesting thing about that story, too, is that God had told me like a week or two before that he was going to bring somebody to buy our house. That's what I'm talking about, where God will speak to us 
And it was a challenge. I was like, well, God, should we put a sign in the yard? Should we put for sale by owner? Should we? God said, I'm going to bring someone. And he brought a missionary to the Ukraine to buy our home. I mean, you know, you can, <clears throat> you can try to justify these things, but why don't we just believe the word of God that he does miracles today? You know, I, I think sometimes it takes more faith to believe that God doesn't move than just to receive that he is moving. Verse 27 or 28 continues, those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, one gifted by the Lord to perform healings. And so one thing that I notice here is, is healing a miracle? Yeah. But you notice that Paul has separated that out. He specifically, he talks about miracles, and then he talks about healing. Healing is a miracle in my mind. But just, I think just so it's clear, well, God didn't say he heals. And you know, there are people that believe that today. Christians that believe that today. Well, God doesn't heal. What does his word say? <laughs> okay, so, uh, you know, I find it amazing that some Christians don't think that, that God heals today and don't, don't believe his word. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe the word of God? Do you believe it's true? Because if we don't, where do we stop carving out? Where do we start, stop, you know, believing? Well, you know, God does this and this. Well, God, the only thing God does is blesses people to be millionaires. You know, that, that's, that's how we end up in a place like that where we pick and choose and what we believe. But no, listen, we have to take all the word of God because it's for us. It's for our good. He goes on to write, those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others. One gifted and passionate about helping others. Every one of us should have that gift. Every one of us should be in this relationship where we're yielding to God and he's saying, hey, why don't you go help so-and-so? Or why don't you do this? Why don't you call and encourage? Why don't you, you know, whatever. So we all, I think we all should have the gift of, of helping others. Um, then he talks about uh, those who have the gift of leadership. One gifted in, in leading and, and helping others. Because why are we leading people? Because we're helping them. We're establishing, doing, taking care of business so that the church may fulfill what it's called to do. And some versions of the word say administrating instead of leading. People gifted in leading and guiding and administrating the affairs of the church. Think of a pilot of a plane or the captain of a ship. That's somebody that's leading. They're, they're, they're saying, okay, this is where we're going, and this is how we're going to get there. Leaders should demonstrate servant leadership. Serving. Exampling by serving. What did Jesus example? He washed their feet. Jesus gave his life for us. Talk about serving. So we're, when we're in a position of leadership, are we serving? Is that our heart, to serve others? Or is it to be puffed up with pride or something like that? No, it's about serving his people because he's placed us in that position to serve his people. It's a, it's a serious responsibility. So let me ask you another question. Do you have a heart of a servant? Is that your heart, to serve? Um, leadership, those who speak in unknown languages. One gifted with the ability to speak in an unknown language, a supernatural ability to speak in an unknown language. In other, in other words, the language you don't know. Like if I begin to speak in French right now or German, you know, I, I don't, I, 
sometimes I barely know English, you know. So, <laughs> so, so what, am I, what, what am I saying here? I'm saying that God gives us the ability because maybe you were in a situation where maybe you're in a situation overseas and you're ministering and, and you're doing something and you need to know what's going on and all of a sudden God gives you the ability to understand what's being said. Oh, yeah, they're thinking about putting us in jail. Well, we need to talk to them. We need to defend ourselves or our position here. And maybe God could give you the ability to speak in an unknown language. And we see examples of this in Acts uh, chapter 2, verses 4. Let's look at that. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Acts 2, 7. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They explain these people are, are all from Galilee. And yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. So, you know, I'm not sure how that happened, but it happened. And I don't need to figure it out. I just know that God gives us these abilities and giftings. So verse 29, are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we have the power to do miracles? Verse 30, do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So again, Paul is emphasizing the gifts are given as the Spirit determines, and they're all important. Verse 31 says, so you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. Wait a minute, which one is the most helpful? Well, we're going to find out here in a minute. But I think the ones, the, uh, another element of this is I think the gifts that are most important are the ones that are needed right now. Listen, if I need some healing, I, I may not need something else that, that the Lord can give. I need some healing right now. If, if I'm struggling, maybe I need a, an encouraging word of prophecy given to me. You know, so I think that God gives what's needed to his people. And we need to be open and receptive to whatever he wants to do, working through our lives. He talks more about this in chapter 14. We'll get there. I'm excited about that chapter too. So Paul adds something more here, verse 31. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts, but now let me show you a way that is best of all. What is best of all? You mean you mean there's more? You mean there's more? Yeah, let's read on going to read a little bit into chapter 13 here if i could speak all the languages of the earth and of angels but i didn't love others i would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal the gifts are important but love is the heartbeat and the desire of god that's his heart that we come into this relationship yes he gives us gifts yes he does these things for us But his heart is this relationship that we talk about every week, this intimate relationship, this personal relationship with him, where there's this love flowing into our life and through our life. Love is a target. It's not the gifts. (laughs) Did you love your parents just because they gave you a bike for Christmas? Or did you have a relationship with them? Did you only love them on 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 your birthday and Christmas or when you got a gift from them? Hopefully not. Hopefully you love them throughout the year. That's what our Heavenly Father says. Listen, it's about this 
relationship, 365. And in the midst of that relationship, and in the midst of the, the Mondays and the, the Friday evenings, I'm giving you gifts. I'm pouring into your life. And I'm working through your heart and your life to touch and change other people. It's not compartmentalized on Sunday morning from 10 to 11.15. It's a daily thing where God is pouring out his love on us and he's, he's giving us the things that we need. Verse 2 says, if I had the gift of prophecy and I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. Verse 3, if I gave everything I had to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is the goal. Love is the key, and love opens the door to love. Love opens the door to love because as we understand and we come into this relationship and we experience the love of God in our lives, uh, then God works through us to transform us, and then we're able to share that love with others. So love, Jesus, opens the door to love flowing through our lives. Jesus gave his life because he loved us. His desire is for us to genuinely love him and not only love him, but really love one another. And I think that really takes the love of God to help us love one another. Do you ever have any challenges loving one another, loving someone? Do you ever even have some challenges loving yourself? His desire is for us to genuinely love Him and love one another. This love is based on this relationship with Him. Thank you for tuning into our broadcast. For more information, be sure to find us at our website at www.lifefellowship.me or call us at 832-864-2800. Have a great week and remember to Live it. God bless you.